it's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 38. My name is Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Bove. Thanks for checking us out on cinemageekly.com, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Tumblr. I remember the Tumblr. That's uh, plus points for me on today's podcast. All of that stuff is at Cinema Geekly, and of course we're on iTunes as well, where you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. No Aaron this week, which is terrible, unless he pops up sometime soon, but if he doesn't, it's it's terrible news because today was the uh, the big casting announcement from the BBC about who will be replacing Matt Smith as the Doctor, and uh, I personally found this to I, I don't hate the move at all. In fact, I, I really like who they who they are choosing to cast, but it it is definitely kind of a 180 from from what they from what seemed like their MO was going to be when it came to casting new doctors. They went with uh, Peter Capaldi or Capaldi, or I'm, I'm not sure how it's uh, properly pronounced, but I'm just going to go with Peter Capaldi for, for the time being. Uh, not an unknown to fans in the UK and people who have watched um, a lot of the movies and TV shows that have come out of there. He's been working since the mid eighties, but I would say relatively unknown is probably a good, uh, I guess, a good descriptor for him in the United States. Uh, I don't know what he's been in that many people would have seen here, with the exception, I don't know, Glenn, if you've seen this or not, uh, but he was in World War Z, which I did not notice until uh, until I saw this. And what is either, this is going to end up being debated on the internet, I'm guessing for decades, <laughs> Uh, this is either the most subtle hint of all time or the most insane coincidence of all time. Uh, in World War Z, Peter Capaldi played a doctor who worked for the World Health Organization based in Cardiff, which is where Brad Pitt ended up going to figure out, trying to figure out how to cure the zombie, whatever, they didn't call them zombies, but uh, trying to figure out the find some sort of cure or whatever for this zombie problem. And Cardiff is, of course, where they shoot Doctor Who. And uh, Capaldi was credited in the film as WHO Doctor. So <laughs> Doctor Who, but backwards. So either the most subtle hint ever and the people making World War Z knew this ahead of time or the most incredible coincidence in the history of film. Uh I actually know of Peter Capaldi a little bit because one of his most famous roles was playing Malcolm Tucker. And if you just Google the guy and videos will pop up like best of Malcolm Tucker on YouTube and uh, he's brilliant. I mean, in incredibly foul mouthed and very <laughs> undoctor like, but uh, he's, he's tremendous. Uh, also kind of going against the grain a little bit because they cast somebody who's a little bit older. Usually the they've been casting uh, whenever the Doctor regenerates, he gets younger. And uh, many people are rejoicing at this, however, because they think all of the uh, the hipster teen girls who started watching the show because they thought David Tennant was cute or Matt Smith was cute are now going to be probably running away in droves and uh, no longer driving Aaron nuts or <laughs> or any of the uh, <laughs> or any of the other uh, true Whovians on the interwebs crazy. Uh, his first appearance in Doctor Who is going to be in Matt Smith's last appearance, which is going to be in the 50th anniversary Christmas special, which is going to happen later in the year, obviously. And uh, 
that uh but he's going to be doing Doctor Who stuff way earlier than that. Actually as early as next month they're going to be starting to shoot the 8th series of Doctor Who that's going to air in 2014. So he's going to be doing Doctor Who stuff long before the the anniversary special actually uh appears on screen, but yeah, Aaron uh I'm sure Aaron will be back next week if he can at all help it to to discuss this cuz I'm sure he's got uh, a lot of opinions. Uh on Facebook he seemed really really pleased with the casting choice. So, uh, and Glenn, you were telling me off air that you actually follow this. You kind of know what's going on a little bit. Yeah. though, Yeah. The only, this is why I wish Aaron was here. Cause I need to ask him. like, he was in Torchwood. Yes. So I don't know how they're going to like go about that or what. Well, he was even in an episode of Dr. Who, uh, uh, not that far, not that long ago, actually it was in, uh, 2008 during the, uh, David Tennant run near the end of his run. Uh, was an episode called The Fires of Pompeii. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, now I remember. I've actually seen that episode. Yes, so uh, <laughs> he plays like the elder... Uh, I can't remember his name off the off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, so I mean, he was in there, and uh, from I haven't seen all of Torchwood, because um, I've been spending most of my time watching Doctor Who, but for those of you who don't know, Torchwood is a spin-off series from Doctor Who. And from my understanding, he actually played a large role in Torchwood. Not like a, not like a main cast or anything like that. But I think he was part of like a big arc in the yeah, story. I think five, yeah, five, because it's Children of Earth, day one through five, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I mean, I'm guessing it's just going to be one of these things. It's like he wasn't really in. Uh, Doctor Who, and the one episode of Doctor Who he was in uh, was took place during the times of Pompeii. So uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe you could make a case for the Doctor could regenerate possibly into anyone he's ever looked at. So it's entirely possible. Either that, or they're just gonna you know just wave it off. Like <laughs> no, no, no. That that's a it's very much a coincidence, and that's all. It's just an insane coincidence. By the way. Um, uh, ironically, Karen Gillian was also in that Fires of Pompeii episode, and she ended up being Matt Smith's first companion as well. So uh, maybe maybe being in Doctor Who itself uh, gives you gets you like a leg up on the competition as far as getting future roles in Doctor Who. But uh, I know a lot of people who were not Doctor Who fans but liked the Malcolm Tucker stuff so much that they're going to start giving Doctor Who a chance. So that's cool. Uh, I've personally never seen any of Peter Capaldi's stuff outside of, I, I saw World War Z, but obviously that was a small role. And, uh, you know, I saw those, the, the Doctor Who episode, but that's pretty much all I've seen of him. But, uh, from what I saw on the live special, um, you know, he got the look and everything. I, I just think it's definitely a, a bold move to kind of go with somebody who's a little bit older. Um, although some people are saying that his age currently might be concurrent to the age of the first doc. The, the very first guy to play the doctor was, was a little older as well. Uh, and maybe with the fact that they're doing a 50th year anniversary and things like that, maybe they're, that's hearkening back to that as well. And by the way, fun fact, if you didn't already know, it's the, the Christmas special will be the 800th episode of doctor who. So many episodes of this program. 800 Aaron uh I don't know if he has the the super mega ultra 800 episodes worth box set 
I don't know if I could ever watch that much of anything, to be honest with you. So I'm glad I jumped in in the in, in the reboot. I guess. <laughs> uh, let's talk about. Well, Aaron's not here, but all of his geek news remains, even though he's not here this week. And there was definitely a lot of it, and a couple of really cool viral marketing campaign uh, videos uh, surfaced. the The first one was uh, is for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Really, I mean, it's it's viral marketing, so it's stuff that's you know very loosely tied to the movie, but. If you think there's going to be anything completely related to the film in any way, don't count on it. It's it's just uh, sort of stuff for people who love to go and look for such things. But uh, basically, have you seen the video that I'm talking about, the simian flu video? No, I, it wouldn't load. I watched the uh, Days of Future Past one, though. Okay, so I'll talk about that in a second. But the uh, ba- basically, uh, at the so did you see the uh, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes film? Oh, yeah, I really liked it. Okay, yeah. So you're in the same boat. Did you? Uh, were you a fan of any of the original Planet of the Apes films? Uh, I've only ever seen the first one. Yeah, I've oh, seen, I've seen and, one or two, I think. And I may have <laughs> seen the Mark Wahlberg version as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Regrettably so, with Monkey Abe Lincoln and stuff. Yeah, Tim Burton. Abraham Lincoln, if you will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, but I got to say, the uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was was fantastic, and uh, I'm, I'm, it only made me more excited for future films and uh, what they're doing here. Basically, if you did not see the first film, the way they the way they lead to the uh, the brilliant apes is through a uh, a modified drug to help cure Alzheimer's, which brilliant brilliant bit of uh, of writing, I thought. Because, you know, you're kind of taking something kind of silly, like making monkeys super intelligent. Uh, they found a, they found a way to make it somewhat plausible. And for that, I give them a slow clap. Um, but I, thought, I thought that was brilliant. And uh, at, at first, it seemed to be working in humans, but uh, the human... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. But I know it started to... Uh, started to regress a little bit. So he made a more, uh, like a stronger, I guess, strain of the drug. And that ended up killing people while making monkeys very, very smart. And, uh, as a result, it's, it's become airborne and they started calling it the simian flu. And that's basically what this video is. It's like a, it's like a PSA. Uh, and you see it about like a lot of things, very similar to like other flus that have, actually gone around and they talk about how it's spreading and how one in so many people can get it and here's how you can help stop the spread and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all viral marketing uh, stuff for Donald the Planet of the Apes. And there's even a video uh, other than the video. I mean, other than the video, there's also a website that they set up, uh, simianflu.com. I think it's crazy how they do this. I, one of the few things that I love about the internet, Glenn, is... Uh, is this sort of stuff never would have gotten this before the days of the internet. Like there wouldn't be like fake newspapers being like, if they did a Superman movie, you wouldn't get like a, a daily, uh, like a daily planet or whatever sent to your home or something in a global and like a, some kind of global marketing campaign. But here, thanks to the interwebs, fake websites and professionally done video, uh, PSAs and things like that. Uh, I, I love this stuff. The other, the other thing we saw, and um, I'm jumping over a story here, but because you saw it and it's tied in, 
the uh, the Trask Industries website was the viral yeah. marketing campaign for X Men: Days of Future's Past. Um, so what, what what did you think of this? Because basically, it was uh, their video was. I'm trying to think of like the best way to put it. Like if Apple did like some kind of video about uh, how the iPod has made the world better or some yeah. shit like that. Um, no real film footage or anything like that, but there was uh, there was some stuff in there with the Sentinels. I do believe some some shots of the Sentinels. Yeah, yeah, there was some Sentinel shots. I uh, uh, I really hope that's not the finished product because I, I don't I just don't really like the look for them that much. And it reminded me of like uh like an, an iRobot when they had the commercials like for how the robots make you feel better. Like it kinda yeah. reminded me of that, which I mean that's not necessarily a good thing, but uh I it's right. interesting how they do that. Or even like uh in Prometheus when they did it with all the viral ads they had with that. But they did the TED the, Talks yeah, and the David yeah. one. Like that the, that stuff that was really good marketing. The crazy the crazy thing is, and I this is such a problem. In some ways, because there are a lot of, I mean, we're going to get off on a small tangent here about Prometheus. <laughs> I love, yeah. I loved Prometheus. I think Aaron really liked it as well. And it was on one of our best movie lists um, when we compile those at the end of the year. Uh, but I know a lot of people just seemed so confused and they had some like, you know, this is a plot hole and this is a plot hole and this is a plot hole. And one website is actually like, no, actually there aren't any plot holes if you paid attention to like the viral marketing campaigns or the websites and stuff that they put out there answered like a lot of the questions that people had, but that's also a bit of a stretch. I think from the movie maker's standpoint is that you're going to rely on people to view all your viral marketing uh, material to get some of the story. Uh, that might be a problem, I think, because not everybody's going to want to do that. Obviously, some people are going to pay absolutely no attention. I mean, uh, you know, my, my parents are very casual movie watchers and they watch stuff all the time, but sometimes they don't even know that trailers have come out and they, you know, they spend time on, they spend time on the internet as well. And they use Facebook and things like that. Uh, but even, even then it's like, sometimes they don't even know trailers have come out, let alone like some of these videos or websites that help give clues or further insight into a movie. So, um, but this was, uh, this was cool. You, you did, uh, they did show our first shot of Peter Dinklage as, mm -hmm. uh, as the, uh, the leader of Trask Industries looking very, very 70s ish. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like, a um, it's, it's almost kind of comical how he looks. Cause it's just like the, the big wafty wavy hair, the giant glasses and the big porn mustache. Uh, just, you know, Bolivar Trask in the seventies, everybody. And, uh, it looks, it looks, it looks awesome, but it's also a little goofy looking at the same time. Just that, that seventies look is not aged well. Um, but on the, on the page itself, there's actually some on the about page about him. There's actually some video. I don't know if it's, uh, some B roll that they shot or if it's actually footage from the actual film itself, but there is some, uh, a shot or two of Peter Dinklage doing some uh, doing some work, presumably with the uh, the mutant X gene. I'm guessing because uh, that's how the uh, apparently how the the Sentinels operate. They can detect mutants and things like that. So uh, right, and uh, I should mention because there was another uh, image that Aaron linked to with this that uh, uh, 
Brian Singer tweeted of himself next yeah. to a next to a sentinel, like a full size mm-hmm. sentinel. And uh, I, I gotta say, it looks kind of goofy. It looks like it has a big circular fan in its chest. And uh, the big bright colors, I'm not a big fan of either. Um, but at the same time, they've mentioned that there's a bunch of different versions of the Sentinel, and it's yeah. possible that we haven't seen the newest version. And it's entirely, it's entirely plausible that they don't want to reveal what the new Sentinel will look like until you know maybe they release some trailer uh, footage or whatever. And CGI touch-ups and all that kind of stuff, you know, it, mm-hmm. it can, it'll, you know, it, it's gonna look different regardless. That's why I'm not too worried about it. Just it does look goofy, but it's like, oh, it, they'll probably have to do stuff to it anyways in the movie. Right. I, I mean, I don't think they're gonna do. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be like full animatronic robots. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. Dudes are controlling with remote controls for the whole course of the movie. So, um, Aaron did pour. Uh, Aaron did uh, put up a. Uh, some news from deadline about not only the flash movie, but apparently a TV show, TV show. Yeah. as well. Um, what, so what do, what do you know? Have you read up on this? Cause I'm uh, this, this kind of caught me off guard. Usually they don't kind of go for this sort of double dip. I know they didn't do, I know a lot of people were clamoring for it with star Trek when they're like, Oh, please bring it back to TV as well. And they're like, nah, we kind of want to do the movie stuff for right now. And then maybe after we've gotten that out of our system, then we'll go back to TV. But um, this sounds like they may kind of go for you know both at the same time. Yeah, the, I feel like their problem is like because I know early on they're going to talk. They may try and fit Arrow into the Justice League movies and that kind of stuff, but it's just mm-hmm. like they only have like a big network. I mean, yeah, WB is still like you know part of the regular networks and have cable to pick it up, but it's not like with you know, the shield TV show, like it's going to be on ABC. Like they, they have right. a big enough of a network to boost it to go and I guess kind of go with some of the storyline if they ever divulge in that. And it's just like, it, it just seems like they don't really have like a launch pad for that for television. I agree. Yeah. With that, with it being that small of a network. Um, I mean, maybe, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to one, I'm just trying to figure out what the, uh, what the aim here is with doing a TV show and, and the movie, maybe they feel like flash needs a TV show to build to a movie. Maybe like they don't think they can just do a flash movie out of the blue. Yeah. Have a lower budget. Cause they'll just be using cast from the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what direct, I mean, Aaron and I've had conversations about this a lot. Uh, when it as it relates to a Justice League movie, and and he was of the mindset at first, actually, before they announced the uh, the Superman Batman film, that uh, possibly they should just do the Superman movie, and instead of doing any more sequels, go right to doing Justice League. But um, I don't mind the Superman Batman idea at all. But maybe after Superman Batman, maybe then they should just go to Justice League uh, instead of doing a. Um, you know the 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 Flash movie. I, I don't rem- I don't know how. I know there's been other Flash movies, I believe, but I have no idea how well any of them have done. So, uh, nor do I know how popular a comic book. I don't like. I don't know how well the Flash lends itself to a movie, like as a character, because he he can run really fast, correct? But yeah, I mean, that, it works for. Is that kind of the limitation of the Flash, though? I mean, like, it works for, like, animation, I guess, but just live action, like, I don't know how you'd really be able to grasp all of it. And his, his like, his mind works just as fast as his body and that kind of stuff, which is, 
Mm-hmm. Like, as strong as everyone always thinks Superman is, like, technically Flash is stronger. It's just whatever incarnation you want him to be as, Barry Allen, Wally West, or whatever, like, he's generally not the the smartest guy of them. Yeah. Therefore, he doesn't use his powers to the highest. Like, I know in Justice League U, the animated TV show, mm-hmm. they had Lex Luthor body swap with him. And whenever Lex Luthor took over as the Flash, like, he just destroyed the Watchtower in, like, three seconds. Right. And, like, did all this crazy stuff. And, like, oh, how come our Flash doesn't do that? And it's like, well, if he does that, he tears a... He can do a tear and kill everyone. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. We Now we understand what he does. Yeah. I, DC just... I don't think they... Or Warner Brothers in general is just completely lost and just blindsided with the success that Marvel's been able to do mm-hmm. under Paramount and now Disney with their franchises that they're just scrambling everything to try and come up with something to put out there. And they're just... I think they're just I really think they're missing a lot of opportunities and messing up just trying to play catch up when they don't necessarily have to. Right. I mean, I think at the same time, you could probably make the case that Marvel was probably just first out of the gate for this. But yeah, I don't even know if that's necessarily true. I think DC has definitely had multiple chances to be first out of the gate. And then just never really capitalized. Like they ended up sinking the Batman franchise, ended up sinking the Superman franchise, uh, and as a result, none of the other characters uh, from Justice League ever really got off the ground until they tried again with. Um, well, I mean, obviously the the Dark Knight stuff took off. They tried again shortly thereafter with Green Lantern, and that didn't take off. No. And it's finally looking like it's starting to take off, but by you know by that time, as we've already stated. Marvel really got out of the gate. They've got all their individual movies and then they had their team up movie and all of that stuff went so well that they're going back to doing some more individual movies and then they're going to go to another, you know, team movie. And unless something changes drastically, like the quality of the films dip severely or people just get burned out, I see no reason as to why those movies aren't going to continue to do huge but i i think i could maybe now see from like warner brothers perspective like uh well we can't really go back to green lantern right away because the last one didn't come out all that long ago and that's still going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths and then they're going to start questioning whether or not they can do a you know a, a flash movie or a wonder woman movie and if it's going to hold up on its own and by the way according to box office mojo there is as far as box office mojo is concerned there has never been a wide release flash uh live action film the closest we got was Flash Gordon, which, as Aaron has told me in the past, are two unrelated characters. <laughs> yeah. um, that that film, by the way, did $27 million in its lifetime. Uh, and it came out slightly before I was born. So, um, so no, they have not. I thought maybe they have, had tried it like a while ago or something in the 80s or uh, 70s or something like that. But I guess I guess that is not the case. Uh, okay, so the other thing here we have on the website, uh, did you see the, uh, did you by chance watch the Curse of Chucky Red Band trailer that no, Aaron put I up? No, I, I was going to, and then, uh, I got called in for work and I didn't, I didn't get to watch it. We will, we will have Aaron talk about this, I believe, <laughs> next time. I'm, Chucky's not my, not my thing, but I know Aaron, Aaron really digs it, so, uh, the other uh, the other thing that he posted was this uh, Venom short video, the short film called Truth in Journalism with a hashtag. 
Um, so I, I know this guy this is the um, um, this is the guy who did the uh, the Punisher short film with uh, Thomas Jane and Ron Perlman, which got a lot of people saying like, why didn't I, that? Why didn't that guy make the Punisher movies or whatever? <laughs> um, and this has Aaron saying the same thing. Uh, why? Why is uh, why is this guy not getting uh, getting more work or whatever? He basically did a. Um, it's weird. It's like a film noir kind of looking piece. It's like a French documentary crew is following Eddie Brock and uh, just watching him do his thing or whatever. And uh, eventually they capture footage of him transforming into venom and, uh, and killing a lot of people. And uh, apparently I'm unaware of this because I've only seen Eddie Brock in the form of Topher Grace in <laughs> Spider-Man three. Um, I was unaware that Eddie Brock is supposed to be uh, a sleaze, well, you know, like a sleazy, yeah, you know, kind of a dirt bag. Um, whereas in Spider-Man Three, he was just incredibly annoying, yeah. which I believe is Topher Grace's typecast. Actually, you call him in to play the incredibly annoying guy. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how he felt about this in particular um i thought it was okay it, it was presented in a really weird way um but by and large i don't know people who know seem to know more about the this character in particular like oh this guy nailed it like spot on give this guy give this guy some work i don't know what, what did you think i i didn't get to watch that one either oh <laughs> i know oh, no so- I know. I I try to catch up. Man, I just can't keep up with all of Aaron's stuff that he posts. He's so he's quick to the draw. Um, fire! I just miss that's, him. Well, that's that's what I know. We're just going to pretend that you <laughs> thought it was was pretty fantastic. Yeah, it this... looked awesome. Yeah, it was it was it was sweet. I, I they really captured him in those certain instances, like right before he changed it. And it's like, oh man, you just you could just tell like they. He just knew what he was doing. I agree. Like, man, the, the, what he did with that Punisher one, which I have seen, right? Is, <laughs> yeah, like, he, that one, that should be a movie, because that was right. like that's everything the Punisher is like. He, Dirty laundry. He does yeah. not care. Yeah, and he just kills. <laughs> um, okay. So before we go any further, <laughs> let's pay. Uh, let's pay a bill or two or three or four. Uh, we're not going to get to pay that many bills, I don't think. But uh, you know, maybe. Someday, someday, someday we'll make enough money from Amazon to pay all of all of our bills. Glenn will be able to pay his rent from Amazon if all goes according to plan. (laughs) No, actually, I I have no idea if that's the case. And uh, I I should say no more because it sounds like uh, (laughs) I'm promising more than we can deliver here. Uh, (laughs) um, Glenn, are you uh, are you a fan of the have you do you have any. they're called Blu-ray books. Do you have any of these? No, I don't have any Blu-ray books. Okay, I, I have a couple of these. And uh, basically, it's like... I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the, the best way to... Uh, the, the best way to describe them. Okay, so it's... Uh, it is like a Blu-ray, but it, it comes in a hard case. And when you flip the case open... Uh, there's actually a book attached to the the top cover, and it's got pictures and stories and 
beyond the scenes junk and yada 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 they do it for a lot of uh big name fancy films that have gotten lots of critical acclaim and have a long history of of being loved by the movie populace uh i should say that if people are interested in them there's actually a tremendous deal going on on the amazon.com right now and uh you can get there by going to cinemageekly.com don't Use your bookmark like usual. Go to cinemageekly.com on the right-hand side of the page. We've got a big-ass button that says click here to support Cinema Geekly. And, of course, you would want to. Why wouldn't you? Uh, and especially because it doesn't cost you anything to support us. Just click that link. To, it'll take you to Amazon like normal, and you can shop like normal. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. We just get uh, 7 to 8%, I believe, of the purchase. Amazon shaves that off and sends it back our way so at no charge to you whatsoever all you have to do is click that link on the cinema geekly site um but they've got some really good ass movies right now the on the blu-ray hard covers are 50 percent off stuff like uh i don't know if you've seen any of these glenn but i'm sure you've heard of at least a couple of these like driving miss daisy no of course guys and dolls a star is born the original poltergeist is available oh, man. Uh, uh i'm probably gonna get that and uh, one of my favoritest movies ever, uh, but it, I think it's on most people's favorite movies list to the point where now people might start hating it just because it's so common to like it. The Shawshank Redemption is uh, is also available, and most of these flicks are under fifteen dollars. Shawshank's under twelve bucks. Um, Poltergeist is twelve bucks. So on sale on Amazon. Or you know what? If that's not your deal, if you're uh, if you're a Bond fan, because I, I know somebody in my household is a big Bond fan because I bought them this <laughs> uh, as, a, as a Mother's Day present. So uh, I don't know if you're a big Bond fan, Glenn, but... Was it the anniversary set with the sleeves fall for Yes, all 22 oh, yeah. films available on Blu-ray, uh, and the price has been knocked down... It's now only $109 on Amazon Prime. And you know what? If you, don't, if you don't believe that's a fantastic deal, go to the Cinema Geekly website, click on Blu-ray and DVD, and read my review of the box set. Because I break down the price of basically what it is like per film. I think it's like under $10 a film or something like that that you're paying. Uh, and we got Skyfall to slide into the, the last position as well. So... Uh, I became a Bond. I became a Bond fan because of this set. So become a Bond fan today and help out Cinema Geekly on the uh, <laughs> at the same time just by clicking a button. It's it's the easiest thing in the universe. Uh, speaking of CinemaGeekly.com, not a lot of new stuff up on the website this week, but we do have uh, Aaron's Geek News third volume, third edition is up on the website full of all the uh, the stories that he's gathered and posted on the Facebook page during the course of the week. But Glenn's review of the Wolverine is up, as promised. <laughs> uh, you liked it, man, quite a bit. Yeah I, yeah, I really did. I really did like it. I, I was surprised because it was like whenever I was asked to go see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is coming out. Eh, I guess I'll go see it. Like it, I never like – I guess the marketing didn't hit me as much. But no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean – Yeah. No, it wasn't – I mean there was nothing – there was nothing like really outstanding about it, but there wasn't anything like really bad about it. Like it was just and like, well, how's that rated it? Like it was, I mean, it's solid. I mean, it was, it was yeah. good. 
three and a half geeky glasses he gave it. That's like slightly above average, I would say. So, yeah. and uh, oh, in case uh, in case people did miss it or miss the Facebook posting about it, uh, Glenn did include some spoilers in his review. Yeah. And uh, as a result, uh, I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't know if it's a result of this. I think I've been. Uh, we've posted a few things that were spoilerific before. Um, and by the way, by <laughs> in case people were going to complain that we spoiled who the new doctor is going to be, because it's kind of right there in the headline. Maybe I should have. <laughs> maybe I should have posted. Uh, and the next doctor is and dot dot dot. Maybe uh, through spoiler tags in there. But we did add spoiler tags. So. Uh, when uh, when Glenn is about to reach his uh, his his spoilers, there's a big red thing that says "Warning: Spoilers Area" to read. Click here, so you can click you can click on it and read it at your own peril. Uh, but nothing is forcing you to. It's it's now hidden from view if you don't want to be spoiled. In this case, uh, it was a spoiler about the uh, uh, the uh, the post the mid credit scene, of course. Uh, and if you didn't listen to last week's podcast or managed to skip over it, um, then you were still spoiler-free because otherwise <laughs> completely spoiled on the podcast last week. Um, and I finally got around to checking out This Is The End. It was it was on my list. I only had two real comedies on my list to see this year, It's uh, and both of them apparently involve the end of the world. Uh, so uh, it would be it would be uh, this one obviously, and then the end of the uh, the Cornato trilogy from Edgar Wright, which is coming out fairly soon as well. Uh, but yeah, I I loved this movie. I figured I was going to love it because I like their humor. I, I, obviously, I wrote like the first line is you know comedy and movies are two really subjective things, and then combine them, and then you're talking really subjective. Because uh, what people find funny uh, is harder to to put your finger on than like what people will find dramatic or thrilling or sad. Most people can usually say like, "Oh, that was really sad," or you know, "That was wow, that was amazing," or you know, things like that. Most people find common ground pretty quickly on on things like that. But when it comes to what is funny, I understand there is a grand canyon and a half size gap. Uh, there's it's obviously very subjective. So. Uh, but for me, I, I dig I dig their humor. I, I thought this was tremendous. I gave it four geeky glasses. The uh, easily the best thing I've watched since Ted, and I thought this was actually a little bit better than Ted. Uh, I, I just really, I, you know, what I think probably won me over. I said it. I, I said it in the review, but ever since I watched like a disaster movie where the world comes to an end, I've always been like, you know, okay, so the world the world ended. You know what? What happened to the celebrities? Like, what are the Detroit Tigers doing right now? Uh, what's Hulk Hogan doing right now? The world's just come to an end. Uh, where are these people? Because you never see or hear anything about the closest thing. I think we ever got to that, and it also stands in as one of my favorite punchlines from a movie is Zombieland, where they run into yeah. Bill Murray, who is pretending to be a zombie to avoid being eaten by zombies. And uh, he's like, I ran into Eddie Van Halen the other day or whatever. And he's like, oh, how's he doing? He's like, "Eh, he's a zombie. (laughs) I'm just like, finally, a movie that that admits that celebrities are around when the world comes to an end. Uh, But basically, this is uh, guys like Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jay Baruchel, Craig Robinson, Danny McBride, Jonah Hill playing themselves. Well, I mean, not exactly being themselves, but playing, you know, kind of 
somewhat Character. twisted versions. Yeah, a caricature of themselves. and uh, uh, But essentially, you know, playing themselves. And uh, this is what happens when the when the world comes to an end and, and they're around for it all. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of other people that ranged from like uh, a short cameo to like an extended cameo. And then Michael Sarah was in here who oh, died, God, died God. hysterically and, <sighs> and played the worst human being, <laughs> which I think has to be a nod to all of the people who dislike <laughs> Michael Sarah. Although I gotta say, I loved Michael Sarah in, uh, I liked him in Arrested Development, and I loved him in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. But I can see why some people dislike Michael Sarah. Uh, so they just made him the douchiest person ever, and then he died in a hilarious manner. Uh, but Danny McBride, Emma Watson was in this. Of course, Hermione Granger from Harry Potter uh, was in this. And weird feelings occurred hearing Emma Watson, who, whom I have been watching since she was a little girl, essentially, say fuck a whole lot. Uh strange uh christopher mince plus was in this uh just so many rihanna was in here um a bunch of people who i saw credited that must have been like in the party scene that didn't get any like lines were just literally there uh hanging out and being goofy or whatever uh but yeah i I take it you've seen this yeah i saw it when it first came out and i oh man it was one of the funniest movies i've seen and it's for me like i'm not a big comedy person like I would say, like the, I can't even like really think of what would be a, considered a comedy that I last saw. Like to me, like Silver Linings Playbook is a comedy, but it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, like right, that, right, right. I that's, mean, it's, that's it's my humor. kind of humor. Right, right. So, uh, like, I know, I, and I don't really like over the top kind of funny. Right. Like outside of like Anchorman and stuff, but this was just it was so it was just too perfect. Like the the fact that they were willing to go so far playing themselves and like even make fun of each other even more oh, like especially Danny McBride yes. or yeah, who and uh or as you wrote in your review you know Channing Tatum fans like the fact like certain people did those things is just the best yeah if you're a girly if you're you know you have a huge crush on Channing Tatum you may <laughs> I mean you may want to watch the film if you want to see Channing Tatum's ass but if otherwise you may not want to watch the film um but i i just uh i i i dig it i i I like it so much more after hearing seth rogan talk about the film a few times uh because it really does sound like the first half of the movie was just them improving things uh and making up lines and things like that but at some point during the movie they're boarded up in a house obviously while the apocalypse is going on and they get really bored and they start going a little nuts and i believe they do like a handheld they almost do like a sweeted version of like the uh pineapple, pineapple express, express sequel oh my God. very poorly done uh <laughs> involving the actors who would be involved in it. and according to seth rogan using ideas that would have actually been in a pineapple express because yeah. they have talked about doing a sequel um it's really really tremendous and as i said is as weird as the movie gets like as far out there and as absurd as it gets it really does fall into the general themes and tones, as I said, of the other movies they've made, like Pineapple Express. Uh, there's a lot of common threads in them, uh, mm-hmm. the dealing with friendship and, uh, and and things like that. But it it was it was so tremendous. <laughs> and to me, what really sealed the deal, because I, I it was teetering on three and a half geeky glasses to, for me for the longest time. 
But as I said in the review, um, I used to think that the musical ending to 40 year old virgin was my famous or my favorite musical (laughs) number ever. But that, that, that ended with this film. This, this has taken the reins for my favorite, uh, musical, musical ending. Um, and spoiler alerts now, because I know the only person in this house who's interested in seeing the end and hasn't seen it yet is not going to listen to this podcast anyway. (laughs) Um, spoiler alert. They, uh, so they, everybody ends up in heaven. Uh, they've all managed to be raptured. Well, not everybody. Well, not no, not everybody. Danny McBride <laughs> didn't make it. James Franco was going to make it uh, until his <laughs> hubris, his hubris took over, and he couldn't face off Franco. <laughs> yes. Um, the, so most everybody ends up in heaven. It's really surrounding kind of Jay Baruchel and Seth Rogen yeah. as the two friends who really need to repair their friendship. Um, but uh, they end up in heaven, and basically they're like, yeah, yeah, you can do anything. You can have anything you want. And Jay Baruchel decides to uh, make the Backstreet Boys appear, and they sing Backstreet's Back. And mm-hmm. everybody in heaven is dancing. The actual dance moves from the music video of Backstreet's <laughs> Back. Uh, it's really fantastic. Um, that one guy, though, from Backstreet Boys looked totally he, like had the homeless lumberjack look going. <laughs> Which is a little strange, but uh, you know, I can, I, I can, I can live with it. Um, but yeah, that's that's all the that's all the fun stuff that's been going up on the uh, on the website lately. Um, before we uh, before we we jump to anything else as it relates to box office or what's coming up sooner in the uh, the upcoming Blu-ray releases, is there uh, has there been anything interesting that you've been watching lately or? Uh, or playing as it relates to video games or, or anything like that that we have not discussed. We normally don't get time for this sort of thing. No, I mean, like, I don't really, I mean, not really playing any games. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm almost done with all of Scrubs, and then. Uh, is this your first pass through Scrubs? Have you seen it all before? Or is this I've seen it all before, but I've never seen like it all together. Like ah. I've, I'd seen it growing up in you know different times, like late at night on Fox. Right. So I've always seen like certain seasons at the same time, and then when I get done with this, my roommate and I are going to take the task of watching all 249 episodes of Frasier. <laughs> so we're uh, yeah, we're that's that's really it. I need to finish Breaking Bad, which I'm almost caught up on for the premiere. Oh, there was the uh, the video. I don't know if did you see the uh, the video of uh, Brian Cranston. They did the teaser video for the for the last half of uh, of the season where he's basically reading the uh, the Ozymandias promo, which, or not promo, but poem. And for those yeah. of you who are unaware that, no, he was not reading lines from the Watchmen comic book. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a, a, a very old poem from which that name was taken for the comic book, and a very apt name as well, considering yeah. um, the Ozymandias character and things like that. But um, did you see that video? Because Brian Cranston reading that as Walter White was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. It was it was pretty great. It was awesome. I I love Brian Cranston, and yeah, he can he's, he's fantastic. He can do no wrong. I was not a not a Malcolm in the Middle fan, but uh, uh, you know, let's let's just say that his career has fared better than that of Frankie Muniz mm-hmm. and uh, in his career. Uh, <laughs> but the um, but no, as far as Scrubs goes, yeah, Scrubs is on a on a short list. There are very few 
TV shows that I loved so much that I own all of it on either DVD or Blu-ray. And Scrubs is, uh, is is one of those shows. It's like a it's like a super short. I don't count Star Trek. Star Trek doesn't count because I'm <laughs> I'm in love with Star Trek. So I literally have every show, with the exception, yeah. I believe, of the <laughs> animated series, which I was not particularly a fan of. But other than that, every show uh, I have every season of every show of Star Trek. Uh, so I don't really count that outside of Star Trek. Um, Scrubs is on that list. I think I have everything uh, from like House. I really loved House. Uh, I don't know some other like Battlestar Galactica. I think I have everything from um, Doctor Who is going to to, to be on that list. Uh, Frasier would have been on that list had not uh, we gotten Netflix streaming. Yeah, and exactly. I've, <laughs> I've already watched everything. Firefly. I've already watched all of Firefly. Uh, that would be in. There. Actually, I might consider getting Firefly because it was only the one season. And then, yeah. of course, the Serenity uh, picture that they did uh, afterwards to tie up loose ends or whatever. Um, that was another show. Going back to that question from last week about shows you had a hard time getting into, no. but eventually loved. I had a, I had the hardest time getting past the Firefly plot, uh, the pilot to Firefly. But that was awful. After the after the pilot, oh, it was solid gold. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was was fantastic, uh, and I can see why people uh, people love it so much. In fact, I, I think the only Whedon show I haven't watched is Buffy, I believe, because um, I've watched Dollhouse and um, you know all so that's that other one stuff. I haven't seen. I've seen most of Dollhouse. I haven't seen all of it. Dollhouse was pretty good. I wish it would have not ended. I think they could have yeah. pulled out maybe another season's worth, but I'm guessing it was uh, the low ratings uh, fame. Hate Sweden shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a question we got. I don't know if we have even have time to answer it. And I have not pulled up um, the the email. But it was basically, uh, I, how much do you know about the TV ratings and how those operate? Uh, like the like the Nielsen and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I know a little bit, not terribly, not terribly too much, but. Like it's it's all kind of changing with the way like they do Hulu viewers and that kind of stuff too. But right, and they're also trying to do DVR as well, I believe, trying to to monitor that. Well, because I I see it an awful lot about like oh well, no one is even watching that show, and um, it's it's still my it's still my position that the TV rating system is horribly flawed, and the only reason that they're followed at all is because as of right now, it's the best gauge we have, even though it's a terrible gauge. Um, and since television is driven by advertising dollars, that's what the advertisers go off of. So whatever the ratings say, the advertise. So in that way, ratings are important. But I don't know how indicative it is of um, actual viewership. Because I believe there's something like 25,000 Nielsen homes where they uh, – and then from there, basically, it works like polling. Um, you get your sample size for a poll, and then from there you can pretty much extrapolate. Usually, I mean, and that works, I think that works fairly well in, say, like a political poll where you basically have, like, you know, one to three choices. Yeah. Um, but here we're talking about 25,000 homes representing millions of people with literally hundreds of choices. Uh, and I think that it's impossible to determine for sure who's watching what and when they're watching it. Um, they, they're they making, uh, I guess, the best educated guess they can make, but I don't think that's a very good guess that they're making. 
Uh, I think in order, I, mean, I think you need a larger sample size to get a more accurate reading, but that would involve more people willing uh, to fork over their data about what they watch. Uh, and quite honestly, that wouldn't bother me in the least bit. But some people are kind of against the whole uh, letting other people know what they what they watch on television. So. Uh, but until that time, I mean, there's obviously lots of instances like Family Guy. They said the ratings were too low, and then all of a sudden, people were like, "No, bring back Family Guy!" And it was so overwhelming that they eventually brought Family Guy back. Um, things like I think s- some stuff happened like that with Firefly. I think maybe that's how it led to Serenity getting made. Uh, well, they they changed like they changed the nights that it was coming on, and then they played them out of order. Yeah, like uh, that. Like I, I, every time I've gone to like the past three comic book conventions in Dallas, like they've always had somebody from Firefly and it's always what they talk about. It's like they can even get anybody to watch show and their family and stuff. Cause they always change the times. Like it went from Sunday to Thursday to Wednesday to Sunday. Right. It always was on a different time. They, they tried to market it as a TV, as a space Western. And like, it, yeah, if you want to say it's a space Western, like it is, but it's like, it, that's not, you know, you can't really, stereotype it as that because it is right. a little bit different i mean it was a science fiction show that has some western themes in it obviously i mean that's kind of undeniable but i yeah. wouldn't call it a space western and i yeah. think that sort of thing might actually turn people off of yeah. off of watching it like nobody ever called star trek that but i mean it's essentially in a lot of ways what the original star trek kind of was so um they just never couched it and obviously the uh, the overtones of uh, being in the West were yeah. not as pronounced as they are in Firefly and Firefly, obviously they're a little more pronounced, but um, <laughs> still a little, but, but still, I mean, that's not all the show yeah. is either. Um, well, geez, I don't know if I've, I'm trying to, I, if anyone should know what I've been watching lately, it should be me, but I think it's just been literally cause I've had no time. Uh, Dr. Who it's been switching my time off uh, from watching, uh, catching up on Dr. Who and, uh, playing MLB 13 the show and I think that's about it <laughs> that's where all of my time has been consumed yeah. uh, well that being... happy with Dexter that, that's it oh okay I, and I wish I wish Dexter was on like uh, like uh, Amazon or uh, yeah. or on Netflix or something I don't know is it on Hulu do you know if it's on Hulu uh, at all no it's not on Hulu I uh, we're not going to talk about how I acquire it but uh, we, we we do watch Dexter well, of course, you mean you subscribe to Showtime, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. yeah. Like, like all of like all of us do. Um, that is how I watch all of my Doctor Who episodes. Is because uh, I have BBC America. Yeah. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> top of the box office. I really do. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> um, what do we have here? Um, Fruit Vale Station is at the bottom of the box office. Have you heard of this film? Yeah, it's um, it's got with uh, with Michael, not the basketball player Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from uh, Chronicle. Yeah, and, he was. Uh, and by the way, he was awesome in Chronicle. But yeah, he was. And, but, uh, yeah, what, no. what did I see his name just pop up in recently? Somebody was talking about him for a role. And oh, uh, um, no, let me, let me actually look it up. I know this is riveting for everybody. Now it's driving no, me I know nuts because I I looked I saw it. It was on. One of the headers. Well, while you're while you're looking for that, it made four point six million. Uh, above that was RAPD, which made six point one. Damn. Uh, the Heat six point nine. Uh, Pack Rim did seven point seven million. Red Two did nine point three. 
Grown Ups 2 is still making double-digit millions, sir. $11.6 million, sitting at 7% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Uh, Turbo did $13.7 million. Despicable Me 2 did 16.4. The Conjuring did $22.2 million. And the Wolverine's opening weekend was $53.1 million, which uh, not a bad opening weekend. Oh, he might be an Apollo, be Apollo Creed. And oh, right, right, right. That's right. what it was. The yeah. Creed film with uh, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone possibly training him. Yep. Um, that could be awful. Although, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Have you? Did you see Rocky Balboa, the last movie? I thought that I thought that last one was was fine. Yeah, yeah I like. I love the Rocky. I mean, not all of them are good, but I enjoy. Well, Rocky, them. you know, Rocky, Rocky Five. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Rocky Four is just it's us versus Russia. If you don't like that kind of stuff, then you just aren't American. Yeah, so. I mean, if uh, if, if uh, <laughs> we can get along and you can get along, then everyone can get along. <laughs> so yeah i mean you know what I, i'm still a big fan of uh of even drago saying i will break you right before <laughs> they touch gloves uh he was so incredibly russian stereotypical <laughs> it was uh it was truly tremendous um opening two big wide releases neither of them getting good reviews the first is two guns with mark Wahlberg and denzel uh, didn't Denzel Washington used to do like all these classy dramatic pictures that he get Oscar nominations for? Yeah, he did much do about nothing back in the nineties. Glory, but... he was in Glory, he was awesome in Glory. Training uh, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's uh, now he's just kind of doing generic action flicks. <laughs> yeah. Although it's not doing terrible, it's fifty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's teetering. Uh, it could easily end up being okay. Uh, the other wide release, of course, the Smurfs two. <laughs> My kids are way interested in this movie. Uh, 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the uh, the highlight, of course, is Neil Patrick Harris is in this movie and John Oliver uh, is doing a voice. So um, that might make it tolerable somewhat. I mean, John Oliver even makes fun of this movie constantly on uh, on his podcast, The Bugle. So... <laughs> Uh, and he's in the movie. He's getting a paycheck from these people, and he's making fun of it. So uh, he's not too worried about it. Um, opening and limited release, though, Cockneys versus Zombies. Uh, I'm interested to see this because I love Shaun of the Dead, but doesn't it kind of just scream Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a little yeah. bit. Um, but I'm interested. The other movie opening and limited release, and I suggest you check it out if you can go see it, Europa Report with Chartel Copley. We've already reviewed it on the website. We loved it. Uh, I may want to watch it again. Hint to Magnet Releasing, if you maybe want to send me a review copy of the Blu-ray when it comes out. We do review Blu-rays on the website, Magnet. Uh, So I I presume you listen to this podcast since you follow us on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) That may be a big assumption, Glenn. I'm not sure. Um but hey, just in case you do, I would love a free copy of this film on Blu-ray to watch again and again and again. Uh, speaking of Blu-ray, there are releases that are coming out. These are Blu-ray releases for August the 6th, 2013. Oh, by the way, I guess it kind of goes without saying, Glenn, but uh, this is something we used to do back in the day. Uh, are any of the new movies that are coming out things you are interested in going to see? 
Uh, yeah, no, no. I think the I get Elysium. That's probably like and right. No, well, I mean, uh, right, yeah. and that. But those aren't out for a couple of weeks, no, so I kind of it kind of went without saying. But I figured, ah, eh, why not? Just in case. And you're like, actually, yeah, I really want to go see. Smurfs I mean, I love too. Marky Mark, but <laughs> I can't. I I won't. I'm not going to see this one. Man, he. Uh, I I like Mark Wahlberg too, but he has a tendency to. He's he's got the roller coaster effect. Yeah. It's like, oh, he was awesome in The Departed, and then, ooh, the, the, happening. the happening. Yes. <laughs> what? No. No, ma'am, we're not. Um, God. Man, that movie was bad. Was so... I mean, After Earth was bad, but it wasn't as bad as, like, Lady in the Water. Or, uh, I mean, After Earth, I think, was an improvement. I think largely because M. Night Shyamalan didn't have much to do with that movie. Yeah. He was, like, director for hire. Uh, it was still pretty. It was still pretty bad, but... Either way, uh, Blu-ray releases for August the 6th. Uh, Action Jackson from Warner Brothers is coming out on Blu-ray. The Man Who Knew Too Much Mm. is coming out. I do believe that might be a Blu-ray book, if I'm not mistaken. Um, This version... No, this version is not a Blu-ray book. My my bad. The 1956 film, The Man Who Knew Too Much, um, is not that, in fact. So my, my mistake. But it's a Jimmy Stewart flick. Doris Day. That's Alfred Hitchcock, obviously. Uh, good movie. The director. Uh, Mud from Lionsgate. This would be the... Uh, I believe the the Matthew McConaughey is back movie. I think that people were, uh, were touting. It's gotten a lot of good reviews. I, I've not seen it, however. But uh, it was a limited release picture, I think. And it's gotten yeah. a lot of good reviews. I will see it. Uh, Passenger 57 from Warner Brothers is coming out on Blu-ray. The Place Beyond the Pines from Universal is coming out on the Blu-ray. Uh, the 1973 Disney animated version of Robin Hood is coming out on Blu-ray, which is uh, not a certain person who lives in this home's favorite version of Robin Hood. I believe that would be the Mickey Mouse version. <laughs> Anchor Bay and Stars is releasing the Sapphires on Blu-ray. Season 2 of Strike Back from Cinemax, HBO, and Warner Brothers. Uh, Shout Factory is releasing Swamp Thing on Blu-ray, the 1982 edition. Uh, have you ever seen that? The Wes Craven mm-hmm. 1982 yeah, Swamp it. Thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, The Sword in the Stone from Disney is coming out on Blu-ray. West of Memphis from Sony Pictures Classic. And uh, the big Blu-ray release is the uh, Tom Cruise like Oblivion, which we uh, got reviews for up on the website with Morgan Freeman. I'm sure you've seen the advertisements all over television for the Blu-ray release. <laughs> um, it was it was okay. Morgan Freeman's awesome. Uh, Tom Cruise was in literally cruise control, I believe. That's like a horrible pun that I'm sure have been used like oh, every yeah. single time Tom Cruise has just kind of cruised through a movie. There's another one. Uh, Why are you talking about Speed 2? There's a a million of them. Um, Okay, I think that's everything for this week, then. We made it. We made it without without Aaron or Joe. It's been a while since there's been a podcast without Aaron or Joe on it. So there we go. Except for the ones with with Mr. Andrew List, I believe, were the last ones to to not feature Aaron or Joe on them. So we've we've made it, Glenn. Yeah, we did. You and I have we've managed to, to make it through. Uh, and next week, 
hopefully we're going to get Aaron on here because I know he's just dying to talk about uh, the Doctor Who news. And uh, by then I will have finished the uh, the seventh season of Doctor Who in its entirety. And we'll begin the uh, the eager waiting for the uh, the Christmas edition or the Christmas special when that comes out. Uh, so, as always, you can check us out on the .com, cinemageekly.com. You can check out everything that we've been talking about on the podcast, plus stream or download episodes of the podcast uh, right to your computer. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Google+, and Tumblr, all at Cinema Geekly. And, of course, we're on iTunes, where you can subscribe to the podcast. And if uh, you are doing that, please rate and review the podcast as well. That always helps us out when it comes to the uh, the search results. Don't forget the Amazon thing. There's there's one at the top, too. I'm sure you'll stick around to listen to that ad at the end of the show. But uh, if you don't, there's always the button on the right-hand side of the page. So for Glenn Bovey, this is Anthony Lewis. Thanks for checking us out on the Cinema Geekly podcast. And we will be back next week. Hey, Aaron, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's that? Uh, who would you say is your favorite DC female superhero who also happens to have an invisible jet? Wow. Uh, well, she would definitely have to be from the Amazon, and I would want her to be the leader of the Amazon. So if you were, she would be an Amazon Prime. So I would have to say Wonder Woman would be my favorite. Amazon Prime, Aaron. That's amazing that you just happened to drop that reference. It's That's incredible. Uncanny. Uh, because Cinema Geekly has, has sold out to Amazon, as a matter of fact. What you say? Yeah, that's true. Amazon Prime. We love it. In fact, I believe you also use it. I use it as well. I use it every day. And just to actually show you that we have absolutely no proof of this, however, but to show you how sincere we are about Amazon Prime, we've been using it long before Cinema Geekly started affiliating itself with Amazon yeah, we're old school Amazon backers. We just love it so much. We that, do. Uh, you know, we decided, why not? Let's let's share it with the world. Let me tell you about it real quick, everybody. It's kind of like Netflix a little bit. There's uh, over 30,000 movies and television shows that you can stream on various devices, like the PlayStation, Xbox, Wii, Roku, uh, TiVo, I think you can get. You can basically get an Amazon Prime app on anything that comes with app capability. The fun does not stop there. If you shop Amazon, I know a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. You don't just get all of the movies and the TV shows streaming for free, but you also get free two-day shipping on literally a gajillion items. And wow. I don't And I don't think I am overstating that. I don't believe you are. I mean, to me, that makes it far superior to Netflix because I don't a, get free shipping with Netflix. A gajillion items. Um, <laughs> if you happen to own the Amazon tablet called the Kindle... Not everybody does, but some people do. And if you do have one, especially for your reading purposes, Amazon Prime also gives you the Kindle Lending Library, which means you can kind of go to the digital library, borrow books. You don't even have to buy them. You can borrow them, read them, send them back, and get another book. $79, but that's for the year. That's a one-time payment for the year. And if you piece that out like Netflix, it's actually $20 cheaper than Netflix. And you get free shipping? Free shipping. Wow. Tons of movies, tons of TV shows. Uh, it's got a lot free of the books. free books. It's got a lot of the same content that Netflix has, and some stuff that Netflix doesn't have. They actually have a to. lot of stuff Netflix has. Netflix uh, lost all their license to a lot of stuff, like as far as ESPN, uh, kid shows, 
uh, things like that that Amazon Prime still has. Stargate. Just throwing it out there. Big Stargate <laughs> fan. Amazon Prime, they've got a sweet deal going on with us specifically right now. And you don't actually have to spend anything and you can help us out. There's a banner on top of cinemageekly.com. You click it. It takes you to where you can start a free trial for one month with Amazon Prime. If you sign up for that, Amazon sends us money. How cool is that? They send us money to help with our, uh, our server costs and uh, bandwidth and all of that internet bullshit. And it doesn't cost you anything to do the free trial. You get it for a month if you love it. Spend 79 bucks and enjoy it for a year because I, I am never not subscribing again to Amazon Prime just because it has literally been that helpful. We buy a lot of stuff from Amazon and I like watching television. So take money away from a giant corporation. Right. 